Hey, so glad you hopped on the Collide podcast. This is Willow Weston, the founder and director of Collide. And I just interviewed Steve and Lisa Call. They're the founders of the Reconnect Institute, which is committed to offering insightful tools and resources to cultivate meaningful connection in marriages. Steve is a doctor. He's a licensed clinical psychologist. He's associate professor of counseling at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. He's the author of the book Reconnect. Connect. And Lisa has been actively involved in our ministry here at Collide as a volunteer. Love her to pieces. She also runs her own school. There's so many amazing things I could say to you about these two humans. But perhaps what I love the most is the meaningful work they're doing in the world for the way that God is using them to impact people's relationships and people's marriages. And so they've become these marriage specialists, if you will, but they're so real about their own marriage. They're so real about the hardship, about the challenges. And in fact, in this interview, you're going to hear them and they throw themselves under the bus. They share about a marital they just had in the driveway the other day. And um, I share about a marital Rob and I had last night during a barbecue and I love that they're real while they're also imparting such wisdom that can actually help transform relationships. And not only are they real, but they invite us to go to some deeper places that maybe we haven't gone to. And you are going to hear them talk about so many things from deep diving into old wounds and knowing our story so that we can express our story to our spouse and then we can know what it is that's triggering us and why we're responding the way we're responding in relationship. There's so many things they offer us, but one of my favorite things they talked about was the return to repair. And if you're married, you totally get this because there's these little things that happen in marriage and, you know, they cause conflict, but then we move on, we get too busy, or we don't want to deal with it, or we don't know how to deal with it, and they start layering and layering, and we never return to repair them. And so they talk about how you can get to a place and the things you can do so that your shorter uh, repair recovery time becomes shorter. And I love that. I loved when they talked about that. You'll hear it. It's going to bless you. So glad you hopped on. I know this podcast is going to come in and give you something to help you get unstuck in the way you feel stuck in your relationship. So take a listen. It is so fun to hang out with you guys today, and I have a jillion million questions, and I'm super excited to ask both of you all the things I've always wanted to ask you. The first question I want to start with, Stephen Lee, says, what took place in your own lives that moved you from being a married couple to a married couple that helps other married couples? Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you again for having us. It's such a privilege to be a part of this conversation with you. I, I would say... You want me to start with that? Hey, go I, okay. ahead. Uh, just jump right I, I would in. say Lisa and I uh, began our work with couples uh, because of the work that we were doing ourselves, uh, meaning that that there was such a significant part of the struggle in our own marriage uh, at times that it, it just, I think we felt led, uh, honestly, to moving into a, a, an area of work together. Um, based upon you know our own marriage, uh, the struggles that we had encountered, but also 
Uh, I think part of it was based upon to my work with with couples as well therapeutically. So there, I think we found that there was this intersection, this consistent intersection uh, of where our own struggle was intersecting with with couples that I was working with, and I think part of it was just this this sense of calling uh, into uh, a place of, of deep heartache for couples on behalf of couples and the struggles um, that are common to all of us in marriage. And I think that's what we really have enjoyed together is that there's a, a shared experience both in our own marriage and with those that we tend to interact with and work with. I love yeah. that so much. You guys are obviously speaking my language because I always say around here at Collide that God, you know, Jesus collided with me in my brokenness, but he mm-hmm. also is using me there. It's not like, oh, hey, like we got this perfect marriage. We have it nailed down. And so now we're going to tell everybody all the things that they need to know so they can nail a perfect marriage. And I think one of my favorite things about you guys, because I've gone to your workshops, I've read your book, and we're going to talk all about this stuff, but you're basically marriage specialists. And yet one of my favorite things about you is you share from your own personal experience. So you share the real, you share the hard, you share the challenges, you share your wounds that you have caused each other and that you've experienced from one another. And I feel like the temptation as marriage specialists is to lay out, you know, hey, like we have this nailed word gurus. Why do you guys not buy into the temptation to feel like you have to sell perfect, but instead sell real? Mm. Well, <clears throat> first of all, we don't resonate with marriage specialist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, we say we are on this journey and lucky for us, we have new material every day, you know, to work through. And we are continuing to apply the things that we talk about daily. So, and we constantly say there's no such thing as perfect and um, you can get better at recovery and you can get better at um, working through things, you know, maybe shorter duration, but we're blindsided every day. You know, it's just, it's car- it's being human and being married to a human. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, we're on the journey together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I would add that I, I think it really is about honoring the imperfection. I think that's sort of been one of our phrases of, of how we honor and bless the imperfection of one another versus the the I think the unrealistic hope of perfection. So there's a part of I think our journey that has been around coming alongside couples and helping them navigate life together in, in a way that leads to these subtle shifts. So it's not these profound changes that occur in our marriage relationship. It's these subtle shifts along the way. And I think for us that's been true. I think for for our, our work with couples in workshops and even therapeutically, that, that that really is the theme of how we might navigate subtle shifts, subtle changes, you know, in our marriage, in our marriage relationship, and in the dynamic between us. And I think it keeps it fun for us, because we're not up here trying to say, oh, here's what you should do. You know, we're just like, hey, what's happening today, everybody? You know, here's where we're at. Where are you guys at? You know, and 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 so many of these things actually were helpful to us. And so it's like we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. I love that about you guys so much. It's funny too, you're mentioning subtle shifts and I actually had this as a question I wanted to ask you because in the work that we do with women, we hear a lot about what's going on in marriages and we're hearing these devastating stories and I think there's so much hopelessness for people and it feels 
so overwhelming. Like, you know, we've gotten into a stalemate. We're not talking to each other. We're not sleeping in the same bedroom. We don't mm-hmm. see eye to eye. We don't parent the same. And all these things stack up years after years after years. And you guys understand this stuff. But the hopelessness is so overwhelming. And I was thinking, this is the question I was going to ask you. And then you just kind of mentioned it. But how often does it blow your mind that it only sometimes takes a little shift, a change of perspective, a tool or two, and then a marriage moves from feeling hopeless? hopeless to hopeful. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how do you see that? What, give us an example of how you've seen that maybe in your own lives or in another couple where it's literally, you feel overwhelmed that it has to be some major shift, but it can be something really small. It, it can be something really small. And, and the subtle shifts are usually connected to story, meaning how, how we integrate and become aware of how our own story, my story, Lisa's story, impacts our marriage relationship. I think those are the subtle shifts for most couples that can be profound shifts over time. Uh, when you said a recent example, I mean, this was what, three days ago. Uh, Lisa and I, <laughs> we're, wa- we're, walking our, yeah, we're walking our driveway, which is kind of one of our rituals of connection that we talk about. And uh, it, it wasn't going well. Uh, we were not uh, in a good place. Lisa had brought something up. Uh, about something that I had said earlier or how I acted earlier, and I was not responding well. Uh, and I think what, what we what we name it sometimes is sometimes we have these big emotions. And Lisa was having a big emotion, and rightly so. And But here's the deal. For me and my story, uh, big emotions weren't okay in my family, meaning when particularly for my own mother, when she would have big emotions, I would run. Like I would flee. I would check out. I'm out. And, and so if you could have watched this on the driveway – what was happening then was very connected to my story of, yeah, when there was big emotion, I flee. And when Lisa had a big emotion on the driveway, I, I started to walk faster. I hurried and I, and I left her literally. And I walked into the house and that, the, 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 the intent of that story is we were able to come back to that maybe 10 minutes later and say the question that I think is one of the most beautiful questions in any kind of repair is the question of what happened. And, and there was a curiosity that Lisa had around what happened. And, and, and here are the, here's an example of the subtle shift. You know, I think I, I'm just remembering that in my own family, you remember that emotions, when there's big emotions, I just want to get out. I just want to run away. I want to flee. And, and it's not as if that ought not to happen again. It's that, oh, that's part of what was occurring. So I think the awareness of, of what happens in our marriage dyna- dynamic as directly connected to our own story those are the subtle shifts. I think that when we have a softer awareness, a softer understanding, I think it helps us navigate those difficult moments, maybe in a way that moves us toward one another rather than maybe away from one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the, the, one of the main words we use is, is awareness and awareness is one of those subtle things, but it makes a huge impact. And so the more and more that we're aware, we can, we continue to make each other aware and, and have our make our stories known to one another. And so he almost doesn't even have to say that anymore. When we have that kind of an interaction and we come back together, I know his story. Now I know his reaction. I know I'm having a big emotion. And so we almost don't even have to do that much repair anymore, but it's been years and, you know, maybe 15 years of talking about our stories, talking about what conflict was like in our family, talking about what having an emotion was like in our family. We, I didn't have emotions in my, I wasn't allowed to express emotions in my family. So for me, even to have a big emotion is, is newer for me and learning how to put words to it and express it. And so then he can come in and know, wow, this is something that 
I really do want you to be able to share, you know, so I think that we really encourage couples to just remember and then tell each other stories about what it was like for you, because the more we can understand each other and even yourself, you know, I didn't know, understand myself. So the more awareness that we can create, the more understanding comes from awareness. Mm -hmm. And then pretty soon things are shifting. Like we're not even trying to shift things, but they're just shifting because our awareness has broadened so much. Mm -hmm. Here's another just quick example of a, of a couple that we were in when we were doing our reconnect workshop and, and we were talking about the, just sort of the general, but also maybe specific purpose and intent of marriage. We were using the Genesis scripture and we were talking about um, that we as, as humanity being made in the image of God and, and what if we dare to believe that we actually bear the image of God on behalf of our spouse? We were talking about just about the privilege of that, the maybe the invitation to maybe let that be part of the way we imagine and envision marriage to be. And and this this gentleman raised his hand, and it was one of the sweetest moments I think that that I think we've experienced around. I I, I didn't know I, I didn't know that I, I didn't know that maybe that's part of what marriage is meant to be that I get to be the image of God on behalf of my wife and vice versa. And so that, just that, I think is where, and now where they are is in a very different place than where they would have been. And so I think there's mm-hmm. examples like that across the board that, that, yeah, I think when you said blows our mind, I think we're astounded that just these subtle shifts in awareness and understanding, I, I think lead people to, to the potential of what marriage is meant to be. Hmm. When you're bringing that up, it makes me think, you know, what are our motives when we're having conflict with our spouse? Is it to win or is it to be like (laughs) Jesus in response Mm -hmm. to them? And I think Mm -hmm. at least even speaking for myself, sometimes it's like, no, I want to prove to you that you hurt me and you were wrong rather than how can I try to meet you in this place and try to be like Jesus to you in the hopes that he'll do the same for me. Mm -hmm. That's such a beautiful image that you're laying out there from Genesis. Mm -hmm. You guys have talked already multiple times about the repair. And you sort of say it flippantly, like, you know, everyone knows what that is. Um, (laughs) You talked about the shorter recovery time. And I think it's really fascinating because it seems like couples I know who do their work and like you're describing in the driveway, you have like a shorter recovery time where you can repair. And then there's other people who don't ever repair. And so they have, there's no reparation, there's no recovery, and then it layers on top of layers. And then the next day you move on, you both go to work, you do your thing, something else happens, there's no recovery, and it sort of adds up. And I think it's really interesting. I mean, you're really talking about things like asking what happened. Yeah. I mean, you're, I mean, that's so simple. And yet how often do we just go, you know what you take me? I mean, this happened in my house last night where Rob's barbecuing, I'm, you know, chopping vegetables. And then I get a text about, um, something that made me emotional and I started crying. Uh, it was like a loss, like someone's moving that has always been in our life. And I just immediately cried and my daughter came over and she's kind of showing me compassion. And Rob looks at me and he goes, you're crying about this. She'd be happy for them. And then he goes back out to the barbecue. Because right, what's going on is the same thing that you're describing where he wants to, it 
feels like dismissal, but he wants mm-hmm. to make everything better and give you a solution. So mm-hmm. he just kind of wants to give you some reason why you shouldn't be having this big emotion. Mm-hmm. And then he can go back out and barbecue. And I was like, oh, hey, wait a second. Do you see the difference between what's happening here? Our yeah. kid over here is ministering to me. <laughs> You're yeah. going on barbecuing <laughs> while I'm crying on the couch. <laughs> and so what happens, though, and I'll throw us under a bus, is that we can never revisit what happened. We get food on the table, we eat the meal, we talk to our kids, we feed the dogs, we do the laundry, we watch a show, we go to bed, whatever. And um, I didn't mean to pause on the whatever after bed, by the way. I just, (laughs) (laughs) but the point is, is like, we can never talk about it. And now here we are and it's, you know, Monday and Mm -hmm. there was no repair. So how does that Mm -hmm. catch up to a marriage? And what's your advice a little bit more speak into repair and some of your best tips on how to get that recovery time shorter and how how to have real reconciliation? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the story you just shared, uh, Willow, is such a common story for for all of us where one might feel something and the other, for whatever reason, maybe minimizes it, dismisses it, ignores it. uh, and, And there's a movement away rather than a movement toward and, and again, and that was our story that, for 15 it was years. For 15 years, and you know, we, we've we've been at this marriage work together for 35 years, and there's still that dynamic of the the belief that we have sometimes that it's okay for us to to question and or challenge what the other feels, as if as if they ought not to feel what they feel. That to me, and I think to us, is the fundamental place of disconnect for most marriages. It's this sense of uh, evaluation, judgment even minimizing of what it is the other is either thinking, feeling, saying, doing. And that, that I think, is a, is a primary theme uh, within most of, most of our interactions, I think, in marriage where there's a disconnect. I think the example, too, that you, that you offered is that there is a learned pattern to not repair uh, and to not return. That is a learned, embedded pattern for so many of us. I think we, we could call them ruts even. We just fall into this rut. It's almost like rinse and repeat. We just keep doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. And uh, it there is a tremendous amount of courage and I think a tremendous amount of intentionality to return. And and what we mean by I think return is return with the intent to repair, return with the intent to understand. That just takes a freaking amount of courage uh, to, to be intentional about that. Uh, so there's an intentionality part of it. Uh, I, I think part of it too is is going back to story. That's the second part is how, what awareness do we hold around? How is conflict modeled for us in our own family? In my family, Lisa's family, for many of us, conflict was avoided. It it was seen as something uh, less than maybe it was a a sign of danger or an experience of danger. And so we avoid it. We flee, we don't engage. And I think sometimes that's part of the relational pattern that's occurring in marriage. So I think the the intentionality is a key part. Uh, There's a curiosity I think that that do we do we want to be able to move towards something other than what just happened? And I think the repair is really with the intent to understand. It's not so much to resolve something. It's not so much with the intent to not do that next time. I, I think couples that I work with, and even for us, there's there's this dynamic often of we ought not to be experiencing what we're experiencing when we have conflict. And actually what we're saying it's it's not if we have conflict or tension, it's when. How do we navigate the when moments? And I think for many couples, that that's actually a helpful 
maybe awareness that of course we're gonna have conflict. Of course we're gonna have tension. But and, and we describe conflict as a form of intimacy, right? So it's conflict is not necessarily something that we're trying to avoid. It's actually it's actually intimacy, which means to make known. So in conflict, we're each making ourselves known. Mm-hmm. I'm making known, you know, you were making known, I'm feeling sad about this situation. Your husband's making known, I want to go barbecue. And this is frustrating. I don't want you to be crying right now, you know, or whatever. Like we're both making known something. Mm-hmm. And so I think being able to put language to that, mm-hmm. whether we revisit it later and go, hey, what, what happened during that? And and that's, I think, what we start couples talking about in our workshops. Like, let's have a conversation about that. How do you even start a conversation? Later, wow. we say, hey, something happened back there. I was feeling sad. And I don't know if you were frustrated, but tell me what was happening for you when you saw me crying. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and it just starts little like that. We start this little conversation. And then pretty soon throughout our marriage, we we can initiate these little conversations. And there's not, we're not saying that there's this perfect way to do it. It's just, it's just a conversation, you know, tell me about how you were feeling. Mm -hmm. And we're not trying to like, be like Christ, or we're not trying to, you know, try to put on this really specific thing. We're just trying to be present. We're just trying to say, Hey, you seemed frustrated about that. What was going on for you? Mm -hmm. What happens when you see me cry? Does that make you feel uncomfortable? What was it like when you were growing up when you're maybe your mom cried or when your sister cried, what would you feel? You know, and so you're, it's just like this exploratory kind of curiosity um, that anybody can, we can all do this. I think that's what's, mm. what it resonates. And that, I mean, that's for sure what helped me even want to be in this role because I'm not psychologist. I'm not comfortable up front, but this, these things made a huge difference in our marriage. We were able to communicate in a new way. And I feel like they're so... I mean, there are things that resonate with everybody. And so we begin having conversations about things that we did not have had a conversation with it before, but it's very organic and simple. And well, tell me about your life. And then, and then you know, do you want to hear what I was feeling? Well, I felt really sad when, when people move. It's triggers something in me and I feel really sad and I feel lonely. And when I was a kid, you know, whatever. And then you tell your story. You know, and so then now he knows a new story about you, you know, a new story about him and you begin to build. And pretty soon you don't have to tell those stories as often because you understand them, you know, and you know kind of why they reacted, even though we still might walk off the driveway and be upset and go in the house and close the door. But I still have, I can, I can put reference to that. I know what's happening for him. And so it's not quite as painful. It's like, oh, his story is getting activated my story is getting activated too. I feel abandoned, you know? And so now we have some language. I think we're too, I would just add to that, that where so many of us couples can struggle also is that a return or repair just seems like a a lot of work. And, and we almost have this sort of playful, you know, maybe three minutes, three minutes of with the intent. What's the intent of the repair? What's the intent of return? It's really, I think to understand one another, that's all. It's not to, to not do that again. I think it really is meant to cultivate understanding with one another. And, and those, the way we start a repair plays a significant role. It's not what you did was wrong. You know, that, that's what we would call kind of this. Yeah. What was that? Why would you say that? You know, there's a sense of accusation, you know, (laughs) there's a curiosity. (laughs) Hey, can we check in? Can we check in about what just happened? Or can Mm -hmm. we check in about what happened this morning? I think that's one of the most beautiful invitational phrases. 
it, it's collaborative. It's meant to be collaborative. It's not a, hey, what you did was wrong. What you said was wrong. I think anytime we hear that or there's a hint of that, we just become automatically defensive. So I think one of the most helpful ways we re-engage is to be curious. And it sounds something like, hey, can I check in with you about what happened this morning? I'd love to touch base. Like, And it's storytelling. You yep. know, it's basically comes down to storytelling. And tell me your story about that. Mm-hmm. Mm. You guys are talking about this idea of the return. And I think so often, just as I'm listening to you talk, so many of us don't even return back to even the need for a small repair because it is work because you're tired because you move on with your life or because you don't have hope that you know how to repair it. Mm -hmm. But you're also laying out a a deeper invitation to return to more than just what happened at the barbecue. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're yes. actually have laid out a few moments where you shared with us, you have begun to understand deeper wounds that yes. you carry that can be triggered because you return to those pain places from your past. And now you understand that those lay resident inside of you. So you're actually laying out a deeper return than just return to last night. What happened last night? What happens when a couple just tries to, you know, you know, make it work and have tools and tips for good communication and conflict, but they don't return back to those wounded places and try to experience healing in those places so that, and then share those with their spouse so they can better understand each other. What happens if they don't do that work? What happens is, I think for many of us, that's where contempt grows, uh, where we, when we choose to not repair or not return over a period of time, I think that's where contempt and even resentment grows and it builds. Uh, there's a there's a turning away from one another over time versus a turning towards. Uh, and and so much of the the caution to return is really based upon hurt. And when we feel when we feel hurt, it's very difficult to move toward our spouse with again that that wondering of hey, can we check in? Can I share what happened? Can I can I put a few words to how I was impacted by the way you spoke to me or the way you interacted with me? It just takes, a, again, I, I don't think we can underestimate the, the sense of courage, but, but what does grow if we choose to not return over time is that sense of distance, contempt, uh, disregard, uh, and, and it only fuels the sense of disconnection, I think, over time for couples. So our work, I think, in our marriage and my work and our work with our workshops is really about turning toward, moving toward, literally, the other, even when it's counterintuitive. So I think part of it too, it's, you know, when we're just injured, uh, if we don't really attend to the injury and really work at repairing the injury, it's, it, we, we just sort of live with a sense of limp. Uh, we can't fully recover and fully repair in a way I think that our bodies are meant to be. Hmm. Yeah. I think the yeah. tips, tips and tricks would be more like putting a bandaid on something and, <clears throat> and it just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't really heal. hold over time. And so I think people can get frustrated, like behavior, you know, changing my behavior or trying to do something right. And then we get frustrated. And so we just have found that if you can target and go back to the story and really begin to uncover the hurt and why the hurt's there in the first place. And even, you know, you have to do that work yourself before you can even attempt to share it because we don't even know what those hurts are. You know, mm-hmm. growing up, we just we've learned to deal with them. We've learned to be a, a grown up and and make it work. But when we begin to 
have that own work that we do in our own life and then begin to share that with our spouse or help each other be curious, then that's really, you know, where the, the deep healing, the deep healing happens. Yeah. And then the small things start to fall away. Mm-hmm. I would say too, that, that, w- that when there's a choice to not return or not move literally toward the other, I think, I think what we find is, and this is true for us and most couples, it's that it just perpetuates this profound sense of loneliness yeah. uh, that occurs for many of us in our marriage. And we're not really aware of what that is, but the way we cope with loneliness is we turn away from the other rather than turn toward. And and that the intimacy that can be cultivated, the emotional intimacy that can be experienced in the midst of return and repair can be can be quite profound and quite beautiful. What are some indicators that someone is lonely but married? I think most people are. (laughs) Yeah, I think most, I mean, uh, most of us at some point in our marriage do experience a sense of loneliness. It's a natural human tendency, no matter where we are relationally in our life. Mm -hmm. uh, So I I just want to, I think, highlight that, that that is part of, I think, being human from the day we are born is there's a sense of fear around abandonment a fear of i'm going to be in this world alone that's that's why we make him that's why infants make cries and fusses and noises because it's an attempt to help the other move toward and and i think in marriage no matter how long we've been married there is a tremendous core fear that that of being abandoned just relationally it's not always conscious if ever but i think loneliness sets in when when the other turns away in whatever way they turn away. When I turned away from Lisa and I walked into the house, I mean, that set into motion the, the core fear, I think, that you have around abandonment and fear of loneliness and the, the sense of I'm not wanted. That's where shame kicks in, uh, mm-hmm. the sense of internal judgment. I'm not worth it. She or he doesn't want to be with me. I, Another layer is just I don't feel understood. Mm-hmm. You know, so you could have this quote unquote happy marriage and it looks good from the outside and we get along and we don't really have that much conflict, but he doesn't really understand me or I don't really understand him, you know, and we just kind of leave it at that. And so there's this feeling of, I'm just going to do what works, but I don't really feel known mm-hmm. and I don't really feel understood. And so there's this this subtle, subtle loneliness that I don't really want to bring it up because it's just going to cause conflict. So I'm just going to live with it. I think, I think a lot of people are living with that. Your mental, spiritual, and emotional health is worth time, energy, and investment. As women, we can sometimes struggle to find the space and time necessary to focus on rejuvenating our minds and our spirits. But the truth is, our health is worth it. The Collide Counseling Bundle is an online course featuring 12 videos of mental health professionals giving their best advice, journals, resources, and so much more to help walk you through the topics that are most relevant to your life, anxiety, broken relationships, body image, and more. We are so thrilled to be making the resources for a sustainable healing journey available for the same investment as what one therapy session typically costs, $99. It's time to invest in your healing and wholeness. Learn more at wecollide.net slash counseling bundle. Yeah, and Steve, you wrote a book, Reconnect, and so much of it is on this idea that 
we are made for connection and we're experiencing so much disconnection in marriage. And you, you did a fabulous job on our counseling bundle talking about this idea of loneliness and this, this idea of being made for connection. Yet we have shame around wanting to feel connected to someone and actually expressing our needs to feel connected in relationship. Can you talk about that a little bit as far as how it plays out in marriage and how we've begun to believe that if we need relationship, we need connection, that we almost feel ashamed that we do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you offering that and sharing that because uh, for so many of us, that is the core issue slash dynamic in our marriage relationship is how we navigate need, uh, how we express need of and for one another. And, and again, pause in that, in that and go back to each of us have a story around need. Uh, what was the messaging in our own family of origin around need? Uh, was need okay? Or was it somehow minimized? Emotional need, physical need, whatever the need was, was, was the message, what's wrong with you? You ought not to need that. How dare you? You're fine. When we, when we cried, when we bumped our knee, when we scraped our arm, we had a need for comfort. What was the primary message around um, when we felt injured, whether that was physically or relationally? When our um, friend hurt our feelings. When our friend hurt our feelings. Our best friend said we never want to be best friends anymore. We got kicked on the shin getting off the bus in third grade. I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. infinite numbers of stories for all of us that we had need for comfort. We had need for soothing. We had need to be understood. Uh, we had need for care. And we bring those stories into our marriage relationship. And for many of us, we have a core story of it's not okay to need. Uh, I'm fine. Uh, and if I do need you, there's something wrong with me that I need something of you and from you. And that's where shame can kick in, where we have this judgment of, man, what's wrong with me? I should be fine. Uh, I shouldn't need that. Or And the vu- vulnerability of expressing need, because once I express it, now you can either respond or not respond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's really scary if I put something out there and say, well, I just really want you to pursue me. I want you to invite me on a date. And then nothing happens for a while. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of like, oh, now I feel even worse. Why did I even say that? Mm-hmm. You know, right. so, It's a re-injury of an old wound. Right. It is. It's right. a re-injury. So it's too yeah. scary. So I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Right. And, mm-hmm. and especially if it happens once or twice, you just think, nope, not yep. doing that again. And that's where we make vows. I think that's where we make loyalties. We, we say internally, I'm not doing that again. It only takes, unfortunately, a few times where that can become embedded. Nope, no thanks. I'm fine. I'm good. Mm. You know what? I might say to Lisa, you seem upset. You seem bothered. No, I'm good. And vice versa. Because the vulnerability of expressing a need for care, comfort, soothing, kindness, tenderness, empathy, whatever it might be, the other has complete choice in how they respond or not. And and it is such a level of vulnerability. uh, And it's counterintuitive for so many of us to express our need. It's counterintuitive. Like, it's why would I want culture. to do that? Yeah. Our culture doesn't mm-hmm. even recognize need. We should be independent. We shouldn't fine. really need things. We mm-hmm. should just take care of things. And, yeah. and for us, that was decades of the story. I would say that hundreds of times. I'm fine. Steve, you seem upset. No, I'm fine. What are you talking about? Leave me alone. I'm tired. And when a marriage doesn't need, when, when, when you're not able to express need for one another, there's a whole level of intimacy that's lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When you talk about vows, can you kind of draw that out a little bit as far as what do you mean? Like what are, what are some what are some examples of what a vow sounds like? I'm never going to what? <laughs> I, mean, I love that question because it invites all of us to be aware of what those vows are that we're often not even aware of. They they sound something like 
I'm I'm not going to share sadness with Lisa. I am not going to say I miss you. I am not going to uh, reach out over a text and say I'd love to spend some time with you tonight. Uh, those are examples. Uh, the vow yeah. says that it's not worth the risk. It's not worth the risk of vulnerability. Uh, the vow is, a, I think, a, a commitment to say, I won't or I will never. That's how it usually sounds. And, and those are internal vows, internal scripts that, again, we're not often aware of. Uh, but And they can be the simplest things. You know, that We have a story that we talk about where Steve asked me to go pick up his contacts and and I forgot. And so then he said, oh, you forgot. Okay, can you get them tomorrow? And then I forgot. And then it was like the third time he was kind of like, I don't know if I want to ask you again, because it's triggering something in my deepest core that feels forgotten, Mm -hmm. that feels, you know, and so just that simple thing. And I literally forgot I had a busy day and and it it didn't really matter because it still triggered that for him. And so just the simple things can cause us to go, you know what, I'm just going to pick it up myself next time. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask for any help because it causes pain and it feels silly. Like, why would that cause me pain? I'm a grown up. You know, why is that hurting? Yeah, I think the vow in that, and for many of us, is it's just not worth the risk. Uh, it's not worth the risk of pain, potential pain, or potential hurt. Yeah, I'll so just deal with it I'll just myself. deal with it. I'll take care of it myself. Uh, I mean, at one point, did you say, look, you can't see, I can't hear? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. It's all our story, so. Uh, I wish it was that simple. Wouldn't it be nice? Right. You guys taught us about the concept of bids. Mm. And Rob now uses that all the time. We laugh oh, about nice. it a lot. Yep, we're we're your disciples. Can you talk to us about what bids are in marriage and why it's important to recognize when someone else makes a bid? Because mm-hmm. it has to do with this connection disconnection thing, mm-hmm. and it's really yeah. helpful. Yeah. yeah, we did steal it. It's well, from yeah, John it's, Gottman. It's John so. Gottman's work around bids for connection, and uh, it they're they're simple moments of expressing the desire to connect with the other in whatever form that is. Uh, Hey, we'd love to go for a walk tonight on the driveway. Would you be available? Would you like to? Uh, Hey, I'd love to spend some time with you tonight watching our favorite show. Uh, Hey, we'd love to go have a cup of coffee with you. Uh, Wondering if we can have a 10 minute conversation about one of our children's needs. Uh, Mm -hmm. Those are all examples. can we plan a vacation this summer that's yeah. just us? Or can we maybe get some more dates on the calendar? Mm-hmm. Or can we, when we go to your parents' house, can you not spend all of your time, you know, with your siblings and just like qualifying maybe something that you do? Can you also be thinking of me in that moment or or not leave me when we go to a big group? Can you stay by my side or whatever? Yeah, Bids can yeah. be so many things. They can be. And I think at a core, they're just an expression of uh, and or uh, offering a need or desire for and with the other in whatever form that is. Mm-hmm. Simple moments, mm, sexual intimacy, that's what that is. Bids for connection. Uh, would love to connect with you sometime this week. Um, would love to spend some time with you later on this evening. Uh and and do you hear? Hopefully, we hear, and and this is true for us, is that there's a there that it's an invitation. I think bids are invitations. They're mm-hmm. not a requirement. They're not a demand. Uh, they're not saying something's wrong. There's an. There, it's implied that I miss you. I want to be with you. I love spending time with you. Those are all. I think at a core of of what bids look like, sound like. Uh, it's it, and bids. I would say too that 
that they really are the basis for our friendship and marriage, you know, that, that, that we develop rituals and we develop rituals of connection. And so the bids are, are an offering of, I choose you. I think at a core, Uh, that's what bids are communicating is I choose you and I choose us. And then we need to have language around how to respond to a bid because if you can't, if you can't say yes, or you don't want to say yes, or you're mad because you're hurt and you're like, no, I don't feel like spending time with you. No, I don't want to go do that with you. How do I respond so that it doesn't create more hurt? You know, I, I hear that you're wanting to do something and I'm just not, I'm too tired. I'm not in the mood. I'm, I'm still feeling frustrated. Can we maybe do that later? Can we talk about it again tomorrow? Having some kind of a response. Mm-hmm. So I think that's tricky because you're afraid to sometimes make a bid because you're not sure how the other's going to respond or you know, so there's that whole language around that too. Mm-hmm. How to yeah. receive it. Right. Like, no, I'm not going to have sex with you because I was crying on the couch and you went barbecue chicken. There you right. go. There right. you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but every bid, every bid needs an RSVP in some form. Mm. Like there is some, thank you. I, I get that that's important to you. Or you want to do that. I'm, I'm still feeling a bit hurt about what happened earlier. Can we maybe connect in some other way at some other time? Like there's a, there's a, there's a response that honors the bid. A bid is courageous. It, it's courageous yeah. to invite no matter what it is that we're inviting someone into. It takes a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. And, and again, often I don't think we're aware of that, but. And it can feel, it can feel ignorant though, too, because it's going to be like, are you kidding? You're asking me to do that when you did this over here, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so learning how to respond like, well, I'm actually still feeling a little hurt about this thing that happened over here. And it makes it really hard for me to respond to this bid. So maybe we can spend some time talking about this over here first, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's a response. way that leads yeah. into, I hear that you want time together, but I'm still hurt over mm-hmm. here. Or I'm still frustrated or I'm feeling this. Yeah. So how can we talk about that first? So good. So good. You guys have brought this up multiple times. I want to make sure I touch on it because we bring old issues into our marriage that sometimes have nothing to do with our spouse and they cause new issues. And I've heard you say multiple times, just even today, each of us has a story. We have our own story of conflict. You said we have our own story of need. We have our own story of how we feel and deal with big emotions. And so it feels almost like there's a true, true need for each of us as individuals to almost deep dive and go backwards to know our own story. Mm-hmm. And that will help us be better spouses. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. What's yeah. the invitation there for us? And and if we don't do it, what, what are the consequences? Uh, I, I just want to echo what you just offered. Although I think that is such a vital part of of living and thriving well in our marriage is to be to to do some intentional story work and and it doesn't have to be always at this level of therapeutic work or you know other formal ways of work it's it's with good friends and small groups uh, it's with somebody being curious about your life story uh, somebody helping and walking alongside of us that that says tell me about and then fill in the blank what was fifth grade like what was that like when you had to leave your mom and dad for a year and, and move away for, to, to be in boarding school. What was like, do you, I think uh-huh. in that there's a curiosity to be a longing that we have to be known in our story. Uh, I think sometimes when we use that, that phrase story work, it, it can appear daunting and it's not meant to be that it's, it's that we go back and tell the stories. So we go back and review the chapters, uh, what it was like. And I think w- what you just asked to is so helpful is if we choose not to, that's where we fall into this Im- 
embedded pattern at times of disconnect in our marriage because we're not aware that that's actually what's influencing and impacting our, 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 I think we could playfully say daily interaction. So there's a, the lack of integration uh, at times perpetuates disconnection. And so when we're aware of how our own story continually intersects our marriage story, I think that's where healing and the potential redemption occurs uh, that it was meant to be and designed for. Mm -hmm. We actually, in our marriage workshop, the very first thing we do is talk about attachment and what was your attachment experience? So we go all the way back and we make people think about the earliest memories. And even if they can't remember something specific, but we don't make them. I mean, we kind of invite we them. We invite them. <laughs> we make them. You will remember you your will remember. We help them. We it's just an open, like, let's think about this. But what was the felt sense, you know, mm-hmm. from your caregiver? Did you feel like you were in the way? Mm-hmm. Did you feel like they were preoccupied? Did they feel like they were mad at you all the time. Did you feel like you were loved? You know, what are, what are some of these things and how, do, how can you begin to f- develop and understand that felt sense of how you came into the world, you know, cause mm. it really starts there and that's where a lot of our foundation is built. Mm. And so we do spend a lot of time even talking about the attachment and experience and, um, and then how your marriage partner becomes your new attachment figure and there's healing. Mm-hmm. But before you can yeah. understand that, what was it like? Were you thrown out into the streets? Were you, you know, did you have a really safe environment? Like what that's going to impact the way, what you brought into marriage, the way you connect with, with your spouse. And it has a huge impact. And I think without understanding that, it's just so easy to say, stay stuck in a lot of just behavior situations. You know, Mm -hmm. you just feel, feel frustrated. And you don't well, know why. Well, the triggers seem so dumb. I mean, as you guys are talking, I'm right. and I think Rob and I have been married 23 years and obviously had to figure out so much stuff and still are. But I remember going through a season of time where he always stayed up so much later than me. Like he's staying up to like 12 or one and I'm going to bed at like 10 or 11. I was going to bed angry, like frustrated every single mm-hmm. night that he didn't come to bed with me. And when I tried to talk to him about it, it sounded almost like I was being controlling or like, that's Mm -hmm. so weird. Why do we have to go to bed at the same time? And it's not like I really thought we did, but for some reason I felt so angry that he always stayed up and then like deep dive backwards into being a only child with a mother who left me four nights a week to go party. So I put Mm -hmm. myself to bed ever since, you know, I was four. I remember doing that. Hmm. And then she'd come home in the middle of the night and make all this noise, partying and being drunk with her friends. And I always felt just so abandoned and so left. And so what Hmm. really kind of came out of this realization of this dumb little trigger of Rob watching stupid TV till one in the morning is that it was so much deeper for me and really had very little to do with him. Mm -hmm. But when I could put words to my own story, like you're talking about and say, I think this is what it's going on is that I'm almost being triggered. Like I'm feeling abandoned by you, but I know you're not abandoning me. He yeah. could meet me in that. Absolutely. And he's actually changed like what time he goes to bed only because he wants, he doesn't have to do that, but nope. he wants to like love me in that, in that neglect I've experienced. Yeah. And I think if he, you can deep dive back into your hard stuff and you can put words to it, but some people haven't done the deep dive and they don't even know their own story right. enough to be able to express to their spouse, Hey, there's like bigger stuff here. And I'm, I'm puking it all on you, but it really has very little to do with you. Exactly. That's a perfect example because the point isn't that 
and you need to change. The point is when he understands the pain in your story, Mm -hmm. there's something that he can connect with and go, wow, I don't want you to feel like that. You know, I don't want you to be hurt like that. I might stay up because there's something I really need to do, but maybe most nights I'd rather comfort you. You know, yeah. and when I understand that's what it's about, that's happened over and over with us or with so many couples when when you can understand what's going on, the hurt and the pain behind it, you you just your heart softens and things start to shift and change a little bit. It's not about I'm gonna do something different, but it just it just happens. That's where the awareness you really feel the impact of that awareness. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You guys, how does a marriage know if they need more than just the two of them for what they're experiencing right now? Like when, what are some indicators that they might need help or resources or more? Yeah, I, I would say often we just use the word stuck. Uh, when we, when we're aware that we're a bit stuck, uh, we can't quite get out of this pattern that we keep reenacting or redoing. Yeah. Uh, that I think that's a helpful indicator of, Hey, maybe, maybe it might be helpful to, talk to somebody about this or check in with our good friends in our group or, you know, my neighbor or somebody that can maybe offer a reflection of what we can't see in our own dynamic. Hmm. And, and I love that word reflection because I think that's what therapeutic work is. That's what group work is. That's what small group is. That's what a good friend is. They offer a reflection, not as truth, but as possibility. And I, so I think just that when we are aware of this embedded stuck stuckness that we feel or experience, I think that's a good indicator of, yeah, maybe it might be helpful. Uh, but, but again, for many of us culturally, there's just this sense of we're, we're good. We're fine. Uh, yeah. as if asking or needing something outside of our marriage indicates a, a real problem. And I would say we all struggle. We all struggle in our marriage. Yeah. And I think anybody at anyone, any point anybody in at any marriage time. can benefit from having somebody you know, speak into their marriage. I think we went to counseling like about seven years ago mm-hmm. because we were going round and round and we could not, we could just not nail this particular subject. And we said, we want to go somewhere where someone can say, we can say, what do you see? What do you see mm-hmm. that we can't see? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you get so embedded in it that you can't see it anymore. And yeah, we were getting so stuck. So we were triggered so much. It was all around our own, our sexual intimacy and our in that area for us. And we, we struggled to really navigate that well. And mm-hmm. every just, conversation was it, just like highly so flooded, triggering, triggering. And lots of emotion. And so, yeah. but it doesn't have to be that before people pursue help, but that was definitely true for yeah, us. I so. think it could be helpful for anyone to just go in and say, what do you see? How, yeah. you know, how can we, how can we move in a, in a different direction? Mm-hmm. Here's some areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's helpful. We, we, after we did that, we kept going back going, okay, I think this is our last time. And they were like, nope, nope, there's more stuff. You know, we kept going back. We were going to go a few sessions and it ended up a year that we spent. And that was just seven years ago. And it was the best year. Life changing for us. Hmm. And look at you guys now. You're helping so many people. Rob and I included. We've learned so much from you guys and Mm -hmm. read your book. You guys are hosting a podcast. You're doing workshops. Tell us all the things you're doing, how people can connect with you. Because I know certainly there are so many listening who do feel stuck and mm-hmm. need just that little jostle, that little thing. And some people need bigger things. How can they mm-hmm. connect with what you're doing? Um, thank you for asking that. Well, most of what people need or are interested in can be found on our website. It's called the reconnect uh, com. So that that's our website. 
Uh, we're also on social media and Instagram at Reconnect Marriage. Uh, yes, we we have what's called the Reconnect Marriage Podcast, uh, and that's a conversation that Lisa and I offer uh, one another with those that listen. And then we also offer uh, what we call the Reconnect Workshop, uh, which is, I think, what you and Rob attended a few mm-hmm. years ago up here in Bellingham. And we offer those both in the state of Washington and around the country. Uh, we go to churches and do like a one-day workshop uh, that we talk a, a lot about what we've spent time talking about in this podcast. Uh, and am I missing anything? I mean, Steve does intensive, so it's like a one or two-day intensive mm, with couples. if somebody wants to do a real deep dive. And we also have a our first marriage story intensive coming yes. up next fall. And that's for six to eight couples. So it's more of a, it's a weekend, but it's very um, intensive. And we're doing it with our good friends, Dan and Becky Allender. Um, so yeah, everything will be on our website if people are interested. Awesome. I appreciate you guys so much. I love how you normalize the need for connection and marriage. Mm. You invite us to go deeper than just tips and tools, but you have so many tips and tools, but you invite us to deeper places of healing and people are seeing true transformation because of your work in the world. So I just appreciate you guys hopping on today. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. It's been such a privilege. So grateful for you and the work of Clyde. Yeah. We love what you're doing with Clyde. It's just, yeah, transformational. So thank you for having us. All the mutual love guys. Oh, man, I hope that that conversation blessed you as much as it blessed me. I'm almost ready to uh, text my husband here and bid for some connection time. But I hope it inspired you to take a next step, whether that's grabbing their book or, uh, you know, deciding to return back and repair something that happened in your marriage this week. Or maybe it's to invite someone in to your marriage, a counselor who can help you get unstuck. I loved what Steve said when he said, sometimes we invite other people in so they can see what we cannot. And not that they say things that are necessarily truth, but possibility. I loved that so much. Sometimes we just need other people to see what we cannot. 